In 2016, scientists on Earth detected a fast radio burst from a distant region of space with no observable SARS. The following transmissions were declassified by the scientific community and given to us to present as the Binary Saga. Log Entry, Vela 98, Vela Rotat 2722, Cycle 8 of the 6th Annual. Hey, hey, CJ. I have no real memory of my natural parents. My father passed away when I was just a baby. When someone describes me visiting the VSA with my natural mother, or sitting and talking with my father on the old vid connections, I can see flashes of it in my mind. But that's it. It's like I was remembering an old show or something from a long time ago. Memories of Nosu are muddled in the same way. Glimpses of bath times and meals are mixed with more recent images of Nosu in her hospital bed. My vision of the younger Nosu merges with how she looked more recently. When I think of my mother, the only clear memory I have is of Ori. My mom. I remember Mama Amai more clearly than I do Nosu or Kezi. Amai and Ori putting me to bed and telling me stories of Haimavina and Papa Gisto and Auntie Iria. I would climb up on some of the towers in the area and I remember Ori yelling up at me to be careful or I would fall. The whole time, I would have the thought in my head that if I could just get up higher, I could see Haimavina clearer. She would never tell me to come down, just to be careful. Ori would encourage me to push the limits, explore, and do whatever it took to reach my goals. I think it's because... She knew that stopping me was never an option. Mom would tell me that it was the same for her. She had her goals of what she wanted in life, and she would push towards them, no matter what anyone else would tell her. She got tired of people telling her she couldn't, so she decided early on that she would never tell me not to do something, only to be careful while doing it. Mom dreamed of making in-person contact with Haimovina. It was only one of her long-term goals, and her work on the council reflected that. At first, I always thought that it was for personal reasons. I know she wanted to see Helgi and Frida after communicating with them for so long. Looking at it now, I realize that it wasn't just for her own relationships, but for yours and mine. She didn't want us to grow old without ever meeting each other in person, the way that she and Helgi went through their lives. Ori could see the path that our planets were on and wanted to make sure that we could be a part of that future. Not just you and I, CJ, but all those like us that have fostered relationships over the Rotats. Ori's visit to Haimovina was a mix of personal goal and professional one. It allowed her to achieve the lifelong dream of seeing your planet in person and meeting those that she loved from afar. But it wasn't until your delegation came to Vela that the true dream was realized. The bridge between our worlds was built 
and future generations would be able to cross it without the fear of growing old and never seeing those they cared about. Seeing you and I in the same room, <laughs> laughing and sharing stories without a one or two rotat delay was the culmination of every bit of hard work that Ori had done over her lifetime. <sighs> Three cycles after you left, Ori Sejisto passed away peacefully in her sleep. Aaron, Nasu, and I were with her the night before. We shared dinner together and told her stories about your visit and all of the things that we did. She sat back and listened attentively and smiled the whole time. I think that she knew it was her time to go. We were slated to head back to Key in a few cycles, and this would be the last time we would all be together. As I put her to bed, just as she had done for me so long ago, the last thing she told me before falling asleep was, the future is longer than the past. Treasure those that you love and never let anything keep you from them. <sighs> Our trip back to Key was delayed as the council announced Ori's passing and declared a cycle of mourning for her funeral. The ceremony was lovely, and she had one of the most lavish skiffs I have seen to carry her off the coast of CNR. We all took turns speaking in front of a huge crowd of those who were there to pay their respects. I kept my speech brief, and no one blamed me for it. Oddly enough, Aaron's was the most moving. Aaron lost her mother when she was still young. Since we started seeing each other, Aaron and Ori had become closer than mother and daughter. They were friends on every level, rooted in their shared affection for me. They both sought to keep me safe while encouraging me to seek my dreams without hindrance. When Aaron finished her speech, we embraced and just held each other close. As the skiff sailed off, we were surprised when we heard Nasu and Penta singing the traditional funeral ballad, Mama Lu. It was beautiful. When I asked Nasu about it, much later, she said that both she and Penta knew that this day was coming and that she didn't want anyone else to sing to her grandmother. So she and Penta had been practicing to make sure that it was perfect. <laughs> A kid is always thinking ahead. The VSA allowed me an extra annual to get all of Mom's affairs in order before we returned back to Key. The investigation could only continue without us in a limited capacity, since they really needed Aaron out there to coax VSI. But they would do what they could until we arrived. Everyone understood, and despite the urging from some of the more impatient council members to find answers as soon as possible. No one would mention to us that we needed to hurry ourselves along. I'm so glad that you got to come out here before mom left us. 
I know that it really did mean everything to her. Even though she may not have joined us on some of our various adventures, she knew about them through our stories, and it was exactly what she needed. I hope that you enjoyed your trip here. I know it was mostly business and stuffy meetings, but I like to think that we managed to cram some fun in there as well. Did you show the vid and photos of the shuttle trip over Laar to Bjorn and the kids yet? I'm still mad that they wouldn't let me fly the route. It's such a tourist trip, and everything is pre-programmed into the shuttle. The pilot barely gets to do anything, and I was hoping to maybe take the controls and take us in a little closer to zip through the tall buildings a bit more. Those travel flights are so picky. At least you got to see the Radio Labs Tower. Can you believe that it used to be a two-story building set up on a hill with a few transmission dishes behind it? Now, it's one of the tallest towers in Laar, with so many receivers and antennas on it that it looks like a land dock. Aaron was telling me about the shopping trip that you both went on in the markets of CNR. Did the girls like the dresses that you bought for them? Aaron said that I shouldn't look at our banking account for a few annuals after you left because I might get upset at all of the things that she bought for the kids there. I laughed and I told her I probably would have done the same thing. Let me know if Nikki likes the pilot's jacket that we got for him. When Aaron told me, I made sure to sneak in some patches from different sections of the VSA so you can add them to it. I have heard word from the council that the delegation trip from Haimavina was an incredible success. Between the talks on trade, coordination of information sharing, and the discussions of future visits between our people. They said that the visit could chart our path into the future. I didn't even hear them talk like this after Mom's visit to Haimavina. I can only hope that your Sam Coma feels the same way as the Council does. With any luck, we could see more travel between the planets and possibly even regular transit. Can you imagine that? We may be able to start making it to each other's big events now, instead of just talking about it rotats later. This is what Mom wanted all along. It's so strange to listen to your transmission, only moments after I had just spoken to you on your way out of the system. It was incredible timing, to have that come in while I was talking to you. I still think it would have been funny to turn it on while you were still on the line with me. You could have watched my reaction in real time. How did Bjorn and Nikki react when you got home? Did Nikki even notice that you were gone? I'm sure that the two of them got into some sort of shenanigans while you were here. Hopefully, it was something simple and silly and not any sort of bodily harm. I could just imagine that Nicky took Bjorn out to practice his footbolta, and Bjorn broke another wrist or arm in doing so. Hopefully, that didn't happen. And now that you're home, you don't have to ponder while you're gone. Though, I'm sure that the thought had crossed your mind. With the girls finally graduating and now back home, how has life changed? I'm sure that it was nice having most of the house just you, Bjorn, and Nikki. Now that everyone is back, are things different? I picture your place almost like one of the transit stream stations with so many people buzzing around going one way or the other. In some ways it must be crazy. At the same time, I'm sure it's comforting to have everyone you love all that close by. I'm sure that by now, the girls have started off on their next paths, right? Will Callista's position even allow her to visit you guys on Haimovina? 
and how is Ragna doing in her extended studies? I'm sure that there are a number of places looking to bring them on when they're ready. Hopefully all of them helped keep Bjorn and Nikki in line. Tell Nikki that he was a real champ in receiving his Huthbler. I don't know that I could even sit through that without flooding like a baby. The photos looked impressive, and it's truly a testament to how much he has grown up. I loved the blending of the Huthbler together, as it is a great homage to your heritage. I dream of a future where we are all one people, and designs and patterns that incorporate houses or sects, cities or beliefs, are all blended together. It's not about forgetting where you come from, but about working together for a common goal. I'm a little surprised that you didn't mention it at all when you were here. I'm sure that you probably thought you had already told me about it since it happened before you came and you had sent me the photos in the transmission. Speaking of photos, I have shown everyone around me the pictures from Astra's premiere. I'm so proud of her. She looked absolutely stunning, and the shots from the gala looked amazing. Everyone there appeared to be having a great time, and she and Galen looked so happy together. It reminded me of the photos from your premiere. She looked so much like you when you were in your premiere dress. I even did a quick mock-up of a side-by-side of your premiere photo and hers. The resemblance is astonishing. It's now in the rotation of the screen on my desk at work. I'm glad to hear that Galen has come to his senses after his brief clash with guilt over Astra. They seem like such a lovely couple, and I'm happy to see that they managed to patch things up. There is a love in their relationship, and I can certainly relate to how he felt. There were so many times when I felt the same way about you and our relationship, in whatever form it happened to be at. I think I even mentioned it to you a few times, that I felt like I was just a nobody alien pilot, and you were so much more on Heimovina. How could a guy like me ever manage to be friends with someone like you? Much like Galen and Astra, you and I found a way to make it work, and I couldn't be happier. For them, and for us. Could you even imagine what it would have been like if I had followed through and decided that I wasn't good enough to continue our relationship? (laughs) Well, Javi finally returned from the Mara Law System. He arrived here just in time for Mom's funeral. He pushed the VSA and got clearance to bypass, temporarily, the debrief for his trip and took a shuttle to CNR as fast as he could. We met him at Mom's house as soon as he landed. Part of me wondered if Javi had the shuttle drop him off just outside because he got there so quickly. I didn't ask. The night before the funeral, Javi, Aaron, and I stayed up all night trading stories about Mom and drinking ourselves into a stupor. When Aaron finally went to bed, We stayed up and played some games for a while until Von La started to rise. We didn't talk much more, just sat and played and pretended that we were young again. After the funeral, Javi got shipped back out to his vessel and had to go through his debrief. Due to the delays in travel, he was bumped to the end of the queue and wouldn't be able to land back home until after we left for key. I'm glad we managed to have that night together and that he was able to see mom off for her funeral. Like mine, his speech was short and lovely. I'm sure we'll be talking more now that he is home. Which means that I am now back on the Huata near key and things are starting to get back to something that resembles normal. The VSA is interested in getting the investigation back on track after all of the various delays. 
They were getting a lot of grief over our schedule since we had paused for the delegation and then for mom's passing. Some of the council members argued that we should have continued the investigation regardless of what happens on Villa, and the VSA pushed back that there was too much at stake and that caution was the best course. This means that we are way behind schedule, though. Not that we had any sort of defined schedule for dealing with the unknown like we are doing. I arrived back here just over an annual ago, and everyone has been trying to bring us up to speed on anything the analysis has discovered since we were gone. Which means that I am in nearly non-stop briefings, and I am still trying to adjust to Huata time. I have only fallen asleep once in a briefing, and no one even bothered to wake me up. Nasu was very sad to leave home again, but she's excited to be back among her Huata friends and classmates. She has regaled them with all of the tales of meeting you and the others from the delegation, and is somewhat of a local celebrity since she's the only kid on board that has met an alien she claims that she is annoyed by the attention, but I think she secretly likes it. Erin has been especially quiet since we've returned. I think she's processing her loss in her own way. She's always supportive of me in, in ways that you can't even fathom. But when it comes to her own feelings, I have learned to just let her have the time that she needs. And if she needs me, she'll let me know. I know this because after the fourth time I asked, how are you doing? Or are you okay? She quietly informed me that when she's ready, she will tell me. This all reminded her of when her own mother passed, and it brought up feelings that she hadn't had in a long while. When she's ready, I will be here. She has been pouring herself into her work in the meantime, and we are trying to make up for all of the delays. I think we're all relieved to get back to work and find out more about this facility. For the most part, everyone on board has been very supportive and excited to have us back. The initial reports show that we believe we have all of the translations finished and now realize that the main room of the facility is some sort of control and monitoring station. This is based on all of the labels and signs that we've seen in the room. Because I'm sure you're wondering, that one room was labeled as cleaning supplies, <laughs> to the surprise of no one. There does seem to be a central interface system at the center of the control room, and we're still working out how to access it. It doesn't appear to use any sort of input that we're familiar with, but the team is confident that they will have it figured out soon. Aaron thinks we could use the SI as a bridge to do some real-time interpretation of the signals between our system and the facility to translate all of the controls. I nodded and said, That sounds great, Tamu. Though, if I'm being honest, I have no idea what any of it means. With any luck, we'll have a lot more information for everyone soon. Now... Before you make the same mistake I made with Aaron, I will have you know that I am doing okay, and I am processing my loss in the same way. We all knew that this time would come. Some of us were astonished that mom lasted as long as she did. Some of her doctors attribute her longevity to the early versions of the VLET vaccine that she received and to her sheer stubbornness. Well, I know that we are not blood-related, I like to think that I will carry on her legacy and her stubbornness far into the future, and she will live on in me, Aaron, and Nasu. May the waves guide us. Jason, 68.
Log entry, Hymavenin 98, 2403, Age of Radiance. My dearest Jason, I am truly sorry for your loss. Even though we all knew it was coming, it doesn't make it easier to cope. Your mom was a vibrant and beautiful soul who loved to hear everyone's stories so she could experience them too. I know you mentioned that you're doing okay, but if you do have a tough day, I hope you always remember that her favorite story was always you. We learned about your mom's passing fairly soon after I returned to Hymavina. The Velen Council sent word through Tanga Station. The station director quickly informed the 4th Fleet, who sent a message directly to Grandma Vera and the rest of the Samcoma. I happened to be at the Dockside Brewery talking with Galen's parents, waiting for Galen to finish his shift so I could take him back to the estate with me. Shauna was telling me about something funny their youngest son Donovan had done when a breaking news update flashed on the vid screens over the bar. The JCN news reporter solemnly broke the news of your mom's passing. The screens began to show vids and pictures from your mom's official visit while summarizing your mom's life. My eyes immediately filled with tears, and I felt the Peterson family hug me. After we composed ourselves, I noticed other patrons around the bar staring at the screens. A couple of people had their hands over their mouths, and one held her pint up in a quiet toast. Then I overheard these regulars telling another patron how they once met Ambassador Ori at that very brewery. I chuckled because, while the news was honoring her career accomplishments, these marine mechanics remembered her as someone they enjoyed having a pint with, and I think she would have liked that. Pretty quickly after, my hand terminal rang. It was my mom telling me the news. We held a private memorial for your mom on Uncle Helgi and Aunt Juniper's dock in Hopnina. She told us it was her favorite spot when she was here. We gathered there like we did for Mama Amai. Granddad Lars began the ceremony with a prayer to our mother Linnea. Uncle Helgi read a poem that your mom said she once liked. Grandma Iria gave a blessing and launched the first floating candle into the sky. After that, Ragna and my mom sang an ancient song as the candles floated. We all wished our Aunt Ori a peaceful passage to her next journey. My mom told us that when your mom was here, they had a lot of heart-to-heart -heart conversations. She told my mom that she did not want us to mourn her when she passed, but to celebrate her. So we walked up the street to my parents' house and had a celebration for your mom, where we told stories about her and laughed a lot. Grandma Iria was in the middle of retelling everyone about the time your mom's childhood drawing became a scientific breakthrough in discovering the origins of the ancient lander, when I noticed that Nikki wasn't in the room. I unwrapped myself from Bjorn, and I found Nikki curled up on the bed in my old bedroom with the Saki plushie your mom gave him. I laid down next to him, and he immediately cuddled up with me. I stroked his long, tousled hair, and he said he didn't understand how his Aunt Ori died of old age, when he heard that she was younger than his dad. And then he asked if his dad was going to die too. And I explained to him that Velen lifespans are shorter than Mana, but his Aunt Ori lived a rich and wonderful life, and she loved him very much. This only made him more sad, because he promised her that he would come see her on Vela one day. I just hugged my sweet son. And then he asked, Do you think the reason why we live longer is because we are their guardians? And I told him that was a very sweet way to think about it. And then I asked him who would watch over us. And he said, Well, Aunt Ori is with our mother Linnea now. She will help watch over us. I told my son I knew his Aunt Ori was smiling at hearing that. As Nikki and I returned to the great room, Uncle Helgi was in the middle of a terrible impersonation of how your mom would dance, when my girls asked me to join them outside on the fire table. The girls told me that they had been too young to remember Andy's funeral, and felt like this was their first experience with the death of a family member. I asked them if this made them miss their daddy, 
and they said that they were more worried about how their Uncle Jason was doing. The girls wanted you to know, when they heard about their Aunt Ori, their first thoughts were of you. I remember the following morning, I woke up early because Nikki kicked me in his sleep. He was still sad, and he wanted to sleep with us that night. So I left the bed, and I let my two guys sleep in. I shuffled into the kitchen, and I was struck by my own memory of your mom. She had arrived early at the Laurelin vacation home for Rin's wedding luncheon. She wanted to bake something special for the party, and we were standing right there in that very same kitchen, putting the finishing touches on the moltas she baked. She told me that these ridiculous rich confection squares were your favorite treat. Grandma Iria came into the kitchen and tried to sneak a freshly baked square from the plate, and your mom swiped her hand away and playfully scolded her like she was a little kid. And then my mom snuck behind her and grabbed the one on the top of the pile and held it over her head so your mom couldn't reach it. And our moms were giggling like school-age girls as they chased each other around the kitchen island. I'm glad to hear that your mom was honored so well on Vela. The news played a sweet special broadcast of her life, much like they did with Papa Gisto. They focused on her visit, her impact on Velen relations, and they played a few of her remarks. There were some really nice comments by a few Samcoma representatives that she worked with over the decades. Towards the end of the program, my mom and Uncle Helgi were interviewed about her. I attached the program for you. It was a really lovely tribute. Well, I'm glad to hear that you all made it back safely to Key. I'm sure part of you welcomes the distraction. Any interesting breakthroughs? Or are there still more questions? I'm sure the council hasn't been making that easier by putting pressure on your team. Since returning, my inbox has been full with messages from council members and other people I met on my trip. You might enjoy hearing this. My favorite message was from Neaton, who updated me on the Velen progress for a technology meeting we're having on Tanga Station. My vice president of gaming will attend as well as a few other gaming company executives, including from Avalanche Gaming and Coldaxia Entertainment. I'm bummed to miss it, but House Jorgensen will be in the middle of a Samcoma tax audit. Ugh. However, I can tell you that Aglia Entertainment is close to inking a joint deal with Avalanche Gaming to host independent servers, so you may get to play the classic version a realm of the fallen oracle when you return to Vela. <laughs> anyway, as far as possible future travel outside of Tanga Station, well, that will be up to the fleet and the rest of the Samcoma. From what I heard, the fleet is still holding firm on not allowing any spacecraft from Vela in Empire airspace until the findings of the anomaly are concluded. Now, between you and me, Admiral Sven Farrell has no issues with the Velens. We can thank Javi for that. But the broader fleet command is very xenophobic and uneasy about the discoveries at Key. Speaking of xenophobes, <laughs> the senior minister of Ghanama, Azana Cross, resigned and took responsibility for the stolen house funds, which I think shocked everyone. Azana's resignation helped the traditionalist image and the polls are trending in their favor to keep their majority. I personally know that Speaker Helena Uklin forced Azana to resign and threatened that if she didn't, she was going to be facing more hearings, charges, and other threats. <laughs> then last week, Grandma Vera gave a policy speech on the Samcoma floor that may change the tides. At the end, she reminded everyone that the Empire was not these five independent worlds, but the people in them. Then Vera lifted our family sword and cut her hand and held her palm as blood dropped. Then she closed her hand into a fist and held it to her heart. And she finished by saying, Our blood is the memory of our lives, past and future. Because no matter what world you are from, we are all mana. And we are all connected right here in our hearts. The Samcoma representative stood and applauded. 
Vera has a flair for the dramatic when she's trying to make a point, and it was effective. Oli told me that the scuttlebutt around the Alithian Alliance party leadership is they want to vote in Vera as speaker if they win the majority. There are no rules against voting in a non-Samcoma representative, but Vera would have to step down as the senior minister of Haimavina if that happened. I'm not sure she would do that. I reminded Oli, they have to win the majority before they start making grand plans. <laughs> as far as my flight back to Haimavina, all I remember was waking up as the lights brightened in my suite. I got off the call with you, and I slept the whole way back. At Braddett Station, we were immediately sent through a quick medical screening and got a couple of prophylactic boosters. Once we cleared medical, everyone called their loved ones. When we landed on Stromsheim, the arrival zone was filled with happy reunions. You would have thought we were gone for years. <laughs> back at the estate, the rest of my family was waiting for me. I passed out gifts told them all about the trip, and I showed off all of my pictures. I was only gone for three weeks, so I didn't really miss much, but it was nice to catch up with everyone. During dinner, my dad asked if I was done with my extracurricular activities because House Jorgensen needed me to return to my actual job. <laughs> dad. That night, Nikki wanted me to tuck him into bed. I was so touched because he hasn't asked me to do that in years. You know, because he's a big kid now. <laughs> I sat on the side of his bed, and he told me how Team Night Dragon got second place in their robotics tournament. He received perfect scores on his Ancient History weekly quiz, and apparently was allowed to stay up past his bedtime to play video games with Chris. <laughs> Before I left him to sleep, he said, Mommy, I'm glad you're home, because I really missed you. I stood outside his apartment, and I held back happy tears, because it was one of those parenting moments when you realize, maybe you're doing an okay job. <laughs> I was just about to head back to the lounge where everyone was still up chatting, when I saw a tiny electric candle by Nikki's door, and a little envelope with my sweet handwritten on it. I reached down, and I opened the card, and it read, follow me. I looked down the hallway, and I saw another candle. I grinned. One of the most beloved love stories of Empress Hera and Lord Ivar was their very first night together. Outside his chambers, he noticed a small lit candle. Hera secretly left him a trail of candles through the castle that led to her chambers. After following my own trail of candles, I walked into our apartment, and there were candles scattered all around our sitting room. The fireplace was lit, and music was softly playing. Then I felt a hand caress my back, and Bjorn slipped his hand in mine and pulled it to his chest. He placed his other hand around my waist and said, You know, that fragrance you wear is still intoxicating. It drives me crazy. I smiled as we started to slow dance, and I told him that I wear that perfume because I know it drives him crazy. <laughs> Bjorn twirled me around, and pulled me back into his arms. My husband is such a silly romantic cornball, and I didn't realize just how much I missed him. The rest of the year was legislative meetings, fundraisers, and lots of projects. The kids were equally busy. Nikki not only is on the robotics team at school and takes guitar lessons, he now also plays footballta in a youth league with Marcus and little Lars. I get the concept of the game. After years of hearing Andy yell at the vid screen any time the Brengard sirens lost, but truth be told, I'm still lost on what is considered offsides and what is a foul. At the kid games, I just cheer when everyone else is cheering. The kids are very competitive at this age, but Nikki plays for fun. He likes to be out there with his friends and having something in common with Easton. The first time Easton came to one of their practices, the kids went nuts because a real professional football to player joined them on the pitch to kick the ball around. Speaking of Easton, his father's variant and Coulter's next diplomatic assignment is taking them to Stromsheim for the next six years. They are very excited. 
because the last time they were posted to Hymavina was decades before Easton was born. When they told us that, I paused, and I said I thought they had looked familiar. They were flattered, because they had only briefly met me once at the Elithian Embassy in Hopnina. They both were working the receiving line, and remembered when Andy pulled me into a very public kiss. I embarrassingly laughed, and I said I remembered that event. Bjorn and I adore the two of them, which is good, because Callista and Easton are now engaged. I was sure I was going to be telling you about Astra and Galen's engagement, but Easton surprised everyone. When the Talina Lions won the Alithian Cup, Easton was interviewed on the field. He talked about the game, how proud he was of his team, and told his fathers how much he loved them. One reporter asked him if there was anything that would make him happier, and he looked at the camera and said, If my amazing girlfriend Callista would marry me. Callista didn't even notice that she was on the jumbo screens around the stadium. She stood up and ran down to the pitch. The crowd was cheering when Easton picked her up and she wrapped her legs around him and he spun her around laughing and kissing her. Callista and Easton are still deciding on what they want to do for the wedding, and right now they're just enjoying being engaged. Bjorn and I already consider Easton one of our kids, so we are thrilled for them. Varian and Kothar were shocked and privately told us that while they love Callista like a daughter, they wish the kids took their relationship a little slower. It's understandable. They are laundron and are protective of their only child. They told us that they dated for a decade before getting engaged and waited until they were over a hundred years old before they adopted Easton. I told them what my mom says about marriage. Why not start forever with someone as soon as you find it? Easton's fathers nodded their heads and agreed that if the kids were happy, they would be happy. As far as the rest of my kids, Astra has a couple more years before her advocate exam. She and Galen accepted invitations to be members of the Stromheim Polytech's Law Review, and Ragna graduated with her advanced degree in finance and completed a short internship with a small Veronian hedge fund where she was offered a junior financial analyst position. She turned it down. Ragna was not sure she wanted to work in such a cutthroat environment. Of all my children, Ragna lacks confidence. I have no idea why. She is brilliant, and we always tell her that. I told her that she was only 20, and she didn't have to decide right away. And then I told her how Andy took some time to figure things out after he was fired. Ragna held up her hand and said, Wait, Grandma Raythea fired Daddy? Why? Jason, all I thought was, Frost, right, they don't know that story. <laughs> Ragna knew I was hiding something and quickly gathered her sisters. So there I was, standing in the kitchen with my three daughters asking me what happened. I looked over to the kitchen island, hoping for some backup, but Janine was typing on her portable desk, trying very hard to keep her mouth shut. Now, I promised myself I would never say anything bad about Raythea to the girls. She is their grandmother, and they adore her. So I said, All you need to know is that it was a blessing in disguise, because after Andy was fired, we decided we wanted to start our family, and we had you girls. Here's the thing you need to know about my girls. They are tenacious. The three of them immediately started a vid call with their grandmother. <laughs> Raythea called me later that evening to thank me for letting her talk to the girls about that time in our lives. Anyway, Ragna is now taking a break, attending academic symposiums, and volunteering at a couple of charities while she decides what she wants to do. I don't think she'll be idle for too long. She's still my daughter and has the same drive as me. Your assessment that our house mirrors a transit stream station is pretty accurate. Even now that Callista has moved in with Easton and Astra is living at the estate on Hymavina, I still rarely come home to an empty house. Someone is always on their portable desk at the kitchen island, there is music blasting from somewhere, and I'm usually bombarded with questions before I can take off my coat. Most of the time, that's from Bjorn's daughters, <laughs> and they don't even live here. Back at the estate, 
It's much bigger, and even with so many people living there, it feels less chaotic. But for us, it doesn't really matter where our kids live, because like we always tell them, home is not a location or a world, but where the people you love are. Well, after Ragna graduated and Astra and Galen finished their final exams, we took a family vacation to Yasna. Growing up, Rune spent most of his childhood summers at his grandparents' house in the Thousand Lakes region, which is a few hours outside of the capital city of Solenberg. He, Janine, and their kids spent a couple weeks out there during the summers with his family, so they were excited that the rest of us, including Kai, Mari, and their kids, could join them this past summer. Kai and Mari's twin girls graduated from Calamar Prep, and both will be attending Hopnina University to study astronautical engineering. Daniela and Gera have mentioned that I am now their favorite aunt because I'm letting them live in the flat I shared with Andy while they attend university. When I pointed out to the girls I was their only aunt, Daniela said, See Auntie CJ? No competition. You will always be the best. If there was any doubt, these sassy girls are definitely Kai's daughters. <laughs> anyway, we rented a few houses right on Lake Galu. Rune has two older brothers with kids ranging from Astra's age to Nikki's age. The older kids spent their days out on the powered segments, and in the evenings they headed to the local bar in town called Zorba's. Apparently, Zorba's has been around since Rune's grandparents were kids. It's like the marina bar in Hopnina, with tacky local decor, cheap pitchers of ale, and food that always tastes like you remember. The older kids said they didn't even mind when us parents joined them for a couple of times. Of course, we made sure to embarrass them when we showed up. <laughs> Around the bonfire the first night, Rune and his brothers told the little kids about the tale of Obsidian, the cobalt wizard who lived in a nearby cave filled with treasure. Rune and his brothers said any time they went to look for Obsidian's hiding place, they only discovered another clue. Then Rune dramatically pulled out an old cloth and showed the kids. Nikki and the little kids' eyes were like saucers, as they were completely captivated by this mystery. Janine and Rune's daughter Sarah, who is only eight years old, but always the leader of the pack, quickly gathered the rest of her cousins inside the main house to decipher the map. After all the kids were out of earshot, Rune's mother sipped on her glass of vin and said, and that should occupy them for the rest of the week. <laughs> I love how every family finds different ways to create magic for the kids. The kids did find another clue, but they never found Obsidian. <laughs> I think my favorite part of the trip was watching Nikki conquer his fear of deep water. The swimming area by the dock is only about three meters deep, but to Nikki, it might as well have been bottomless. Nikki stood at the edge for a long time. Then he took a few steps back and ran towards the edge and leapt off. When he came up for air, everyone cheered. Nikki swam to the beach and sat with me and Bjorn, and we told them that we were really proud of him. Nikki leaned against Bjorn and said that he was fine on dry land for a while. That didn't last long because Rune took all the kids out on the powered segbit. The kids had a blast being pulled around on the big floaties and kept asking their uncle Yannick to make the segbit go faster. Then Rune surprised the kids and taught them how to wakeboard. Wakeboarding should be familiar to you as it is a velen sport that has become extremely popular on Yasna. Yannick continued to drive the powered segbit and each kid took turns with Rune out on the boards. I attached a bunch of pictures of the glee in their faces. The star of the day was Marcus. He was a natural. He would call out to his uncle Yannick to go faster, and he started flying over the waves. It was the first time I saw quiet Marcus come out of his shell. I told Janine that she might have another extreme sport enthusiast in the making. Janine growled at me and told me to bite my tongue. <laughs> I might have to have you ship me some vellum-made wakeboards for the kids. Rune said he would love to test the differences. You know, for science. <laughs> I am touched that you think Astra resembles me, because everyone else sees Alora Vinstrasa when they look at her. Even Raythea cannot believe how much Astra looks like her mom. 
especially when Astra's wearing her glasses. My beautiful twins, on the other hand, definitely look like my mom, and they share her vibrant laugh and her silly sense of humor. Bjorn says that my girls may not look like me, but no one would ever doubt that I am their mom. Nikki loves that flight jacket you got for him and wore it on his first day at Calamar Prep. When we picked him up, not only was he one of the last kids to exit the building, he had a gaggle of girls walking with him. We saw a couple of the girls point at the patches. Nikki was grinning and clearly explaining each one to the giggling girls. Bjorn stepped out of the vehicle and called out to Nikki to hurry up. Nikki shuffled into the vehicle and got in with a grimace on his face. As the driver drove us back to the house, Nikki squinted his gray eyes at Bjorn and said, Dad, I was kind of in the middle of a conversation. I held back laughter at Nikki's sassy attitude and thought, maybe I do have one kid that is more like me after all. <laughs> it's funny, your mom said something similar about Nasu once. She showed me a picture of Nasu in a pool with this bright smile on her face. And your mom said, This is my favorite picture of her. Jason swears that she looks like Aaron, but right here, all I see is my son. I walked her over to my parents' fireplace mantle, and I showed her a picture of herself on a beach, laughing at the camera with the same smile as Nasu. And your mom laughed and said, Well, look at that. Maybe there's a little of me there, too. <laughs> your mom will live on in each of you. Well, I'm nearby if you need a hug. Just hold your stone close, and I will hear you. Love, CJ, age 69. You have been listening to an episode of The Binary Saga. The part of CJ is played by Vanessa Shannon Anderson. The part of Jason is played by Steve Petricelli. Thank you to our Patreon members, Rob and Mary Carnahan, Samantha, and Dr. Layla. If you like what we're doing, please consider visiting our Patreon page, which can be found in the Where to Find Us menu on our website. We have multiple levels of support, with a lot of fun features like transcripts and photos. Or if you just want to donate to our cafe, Bjor, or Sidrus funds, it's always appreciated. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook with at the Binary Saga. Want to ask us questions? You can join us on Discord for open chat. Find all of these links and more information at BinarySaga.com. You can read the print version of the entire first and second season in Kindle or paperback on Amazon. These versions include a number of extra stories and background information. Just search for The Binary Saga.